One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come up and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. This is God's word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Vince, for reading that. Testing one, two, three. Can you guys hear me all right? Hey, everybody. Good morning. How are we doing today? Uh, my name is Kenny. I'm glad to be with you. If we haven't met yet, welcome to New City. Um, man, that, that worship team, thank you so much for leading us in worship. Yeah, let's give them a hand. That was great. It's great. Um, I'm wondering uh, if any of you here today have been on a successful fishing trip before. Keyword successful. Um, a lot of us have probably been fishing. Um, I have been fishing, and it generally is not successful. Um, but uh, actually, the worst time, I think, was uh, one Thanksgiving. My family, I was a uh, teenager or something. My whole family's on vacation, and we had decided my brother-in-law wanted to go deep-sea fishing. None of us really wanted to, but he talked us into it, and then he ended up getting seasick the whole time. And we had decided beforehand, whatever we catch, we're, it's going to be our Thanksgiving dinner. You know, and we were used to having all the regular food, but we were somewhere else. We couldn't get our food, and all we caught was tuna. <laughs> and so I felt like um, Bubba in Forrest Gump, like when he's talking about shrimp, like that Thanksgiving we had like lemon pepper tuna and barbecued tuna and <laughs> baked tuna and grilled tuna, and that was the worst Thanksgiving meal I've ever had. <laughs> um, but why am I talking about fishing and fishing trips? Because when Luke's gospel, as we're working through this book, when Luke's gospel wants to, to teach us something about discipleship and about what it means to follow Jesus, the way the Bible does it in this passage is by telling us a story of a very successful fishing trip. You see, up until this time, if you've been here in the series, or if you've been reading along, Jesus is... Um, for the most part, the story has been about other people, and then it's about Jesus, and ever since it's been about Jesus, he was acting alone, and we know that he's on a mission from God, but it's really just highlighted on Jesus, but in this passage, 
he actually invites other people. We learned that when Jesus wants to do ministry, he doesn't do it alone. He wants to invite people with him on his mission to do ministry. He's not interested in just a solo mission, although there are parts of it that only he can do, but he is calling people to be on his mission and to help him do his ministry, and those people are called disciples. And that, that word is really important. If you're here today and you believe in Jesus and you want to follow him, you are called to be a disciple too. If you believe that, say, I'm a disciple. Okay, some of y'all. All right, that's good. Got some disciples in the room. And this is important. It's an important distinction because when Jesus wants to call people on his mission, this grand mission that he's got to reclaim and restore creation, he doesn't just call church attenders. He doesn't just call people who have it all together. In this story, he doesn't, the first disciples he calls, he doesn't call people with the double PhDs in theology. He calls disciples. He calls fishermen. He calls everyday ordinary people to follow him and fish for people. As funny as that sounds. Fish for people. And if we miss it today, if we miss the call that's on your life to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to think of yourself as a disciple and to know that you have a new identity as a disciple, if we miss that, we're just going to get caught in the bubble of Christianity. We'll get caught in the routine of showing up to church and serving on a team and having good friendships. But if we're not careful about following Jesus on this mission and following him as a disciple, we can do all that and the rest of the city won't be affected. We'll be busy, we'll be running on our hamster wheel of Christian activity. All the while, Jesus called us to fish for people. That means in this city, people need to know about Jesus and join on his mission too. And if we miss it, we'll get so focused on our own life and we'll start to wonder like, where's the adventure? Where's the mission? What is, I thought there was more. There is more. But most of the time, it's not out there, you have to go find it. It's looking and hearing what God has already called us to. Amen? Amen. All right, I got three of y'all. Three of y'all are with me this morning. All right. So what I want to do today is, you're, as we're looking at this story, it really focuses on a guy named Simon, uh, who later is called Peter. So I might call him Simon or Simon Peter or Peter. Um, it really focuses on him and an important time in his life when he was called by Jesus, and he felt that call to follow Jesus. But if you really look at it, and when we really read it, it's not just a historical story about Simon. It's a model for all of us who are called to follow Jesus. What the scriptures are doing is teaching us, this is what it looks like. If you feel Jesus call on your life, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So what I want to do today is really simple. I want to stick with the text. I want us to walk through it, walk through the story, and look at uh, four examples of following Jesus four ways that we're called to follow Jesus, and, and a word about why. Is that all right? All right. All right, so as Vince read that, thank you for reading that passage, Jesus is standing by the side of uh, the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, another name for it, and people are crowding around him. If you remember uh, last week, people are starting to hear this good news. There's this guy named Jesus who's been teaching in the synagogues and healing people and 
casting out demons. And so it says that people are crowding him so much that uh, uh, he needed to get to a place where they could hear him. So we see some boats on the shore. One of those belongs to Simon because Simon is a fisherman. And uh, James and John are his uh, companions and some other people uh, presumably as well. And so Jesus uh, basically commandeers the boat and asks Simon, hey, can you, uh, you know, put the boat out a little bit into the water so that I can teach? And so um, Jesus, uh, first of all, Simon does that. He just obeys and does that. Uh, Simon has, uh, was mentioned last passage. If you were here last week, we know that Simon has a little bit of interaction with Jesus so far. Uh, when Simon's mother-in-law was sick, Jesus came over to their house and healed her. And so Simon Peter has seen uh, uh, Jesus uh, work in power and do a miracle. He's heard him teach. He's got a little bit of a relationship there. But then after he's done teaching, Jesus does something a little weird. He says to Simon, hey, we're going to go fishing now. Actually, the way he says it is, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So if you're paying attention to the passage, they're already cleaning the fishing nets. And the best time to fish is at night. And the best place to fish is close to the shore. Right? So... Well, we'll just read what Peter says. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So this is the situation. Simon's a fisherman. He knows when to catch fish, where to catch fish. He knows what to do. This is his trade. This is his family business. It feeds him, his family, other people, their families. He knows what he's doing. And Jesus says, let's go out to the deep water and put the nets back down and we're going to catch some fish. I just want to highlight something. Simon was a fisherman. Jesus was not. Right? Jesus is a teacher. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a carpenter, right? Some form of that. Simon's a fisherman. This is his expertise. I know where the fish are, where to find them, and we didn't find them, and we're tired. But Jesus says, oh, let's go out to the deep water. Wrong place, wrong time. Simon's reluctant, but then he says this. We've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. Because you say so. Now, Simon Peter just with natural eyes, could have had every reason in this instance to say, no, Jesus, I know about fishing. And I know it's, it's at night and close to the shore when you catch them, not in the deep, in the daylight. So we're good. Uh, this week, I, there's a repair that's needed on my computer. There's a, the, the uh, battery got recalled. And I went to the, I got an appointment at the Genius Bar um, at Fashion Valley, the Apple Genius Bar. And I was there and I was just thinking, I was thinking about this passage and I was like, what if like they were working on my computer and I was like, hit control C and then control V. <laughs> and they're like, what, what do you, what do you we, we're the geniuses. It's in the name. You brought it to us to fix. Like, what do you mean, right? It wouldn't work that way. But in this scenario, Simon recognizes the authority of Jesus. Something in Jesus, he's got authority, he's got power, even though he's not a fisherman. Because you say so, 
I will. And here's where we find our first example of what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus means obeying him in all the areas of your life. Even the ones where you feel like you already know what you're doing. Even the ones where you're, you may be already the expert in that field. We're called to obey Jesus at his word because you say so. Because you say so. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Part of following Jesus means every area of life. Saying, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm seeking what your word says. I'm seeking good teaching. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. What are you calling me to do? Is there an area of your life today where Jesus is calling you to obey? Is there an area of your life, and maybe the Holy Spirit would bring it to mind right now, where you know, maybe it seems a little funny, maybe it doesn't seem right, maybe you've never done it that way. Maybe your conscience has kind of pushed it away, but Jesus is saying, no, this is an area where I'm calling you to obey, and you may not understand, and you may think you already know better, but just would it be in your heart to say to Jesus, because you say so, I'll do it, and simply obey. I love when the Holy Spirit applies truths like this to our heart. I remember years ago, um, I like to hike, and I need to keep doing it because I have uh, fallen behind on my hiking uh, schedule. But back in the day, I used to hike a lot, and uh, would go with different people from the church, and there was um, a friend of mine, a new believer, who was, who was um, hiking, and, you know, we were talking, and, um, you know, I, as, a, as a young pastor, I could see areas of this person's life that I knew were like, well, that's not really in line with this, but I don't know quite yet how to talk, and maybe we talked about a few things, but um, I just remember on that hike, this person was saying, you know what? I've been, reading, uh, I've been reading the epistles lately. I've been reading Paul's letters. I was like, oh, yeah, what? how's that been? Uh, you know, it's been really great, but I think it's really been changing me because I just feel, I've been reading some of the stuff, and I feel like, I feel like God's calling me to not be having sex before marriage anymore. Like, I've been doing that, and I'm seeing it in the scriptures, and I feel like I'm not supposed to, so I'm not going to. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> What else? Well, you know what? I've been reading these other scriptures about, uh, you know, in moderation and not, not getting drunk and all that stuff. And I know it's about something different, but I feel like I, I've been smoking a lot and I've been getting high. And I feel like I'm not supposed to do that anymore. And so I'm not going to. <laughs> and inwardly, I'm like, yes, Jesus, like revival. <laughs> Woo! You know, outwardly, I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I encourage you in that. <laughs> I give that just as an example for how easy it is to listen to the voice of Jesus and say, I'll obey you because you say so. It's different. It's not what I'm used to. may not fully make sense, but I see an authority and a power in Jesus that I'm willing to submit to, willing to submit to his word because his word has my best interests at heart and it's better for me and for the people around me. Simple obedience. Amen? Following Jesus means obeying his word. So what happens in the story when uh, Simon says that? Verse six, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
um, which could actually be bad for business, right? <laughs> if you're a fisherman, but such a lot, they began to break. They didn't all the way break. They began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. So, hey, come over, right? Then the other boat comes over. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It's a little picture, at least, of what happens spiritually when you begin to say yes to Jesus, when you begin to obey in all the areas of your life, and especially the areas that the Holy Spirit is highlighting. But next, I want to look at how did Simon respond to this miracle? What was his attitude? Because if I'm just reading that, I, I think Simon would say to Jesus, thank you so much. I'm a fisherman and this is a lot of fish. This is amazing. How did you do this? Wow. But what did he do instead? First response, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, this is the first time he's called Peter, by the way, in this gospel. It's marking how significant this is. He said, he got, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. You would think it would be like, yes! (laughs) Best catch of my life. Thanks, Jesus. No. Go away from me, Lord. Unexpected, right? Go away from me. I am a sinful man. But when you look at the scriptures, that response actually makes sense. Because that's the only proper response when we as humans come into the presence of God. And we see him in, we see a glimpse of his glory and we're just in awe of who he is. You ever walked out into a field at night and seen a lot of stars? Probably not here in San Diego, but, you know, go out east, Mount Laguna or something, go camping, and you just sat there under the stars and just felt awe? Or go to uh, Sunset Cliffs to watch a sunset on the beach, and you know what? I, I, I always notice when people are at the beach at sunset, like how, how ridiculous would it be if someone just turned around and like looked at the houses and the land? Like, oh, this is great. Look how the light just hits that house. No, it's like the the more beautiful thing is God's glory, not anything we built, just something that he's put on display, right? And and the same way, the human response when you're in the presence of God is like, not, not look how great I am. This is great. No, it's, oh my God, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. That's what happened when, with Moses when God called him. That's what happened with Isaiah when God called him. That's what happened with Jeremiah. And why does Peter feel that here? Because, this is why, because Jesus is not just another teacher. He's not just a good man. He's God in the flesh. He's the son of God. And Peter may not fully know that yet, but he has seen a glimpse, enough of God's glory to be in awe and to realize Ooh, I'm not worthy of being in God's presence. It's the second example of following Jesus is realizing your own sinfulness. 
If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, it will always require acknowledging and repenting and turning away from your sin. It's a humility in God's presence. That he, an awe about who he is and that he would choose to be here with you in this moment. As you read through the Gospel of Luke, Luke shows over and over that Jesus brings good news for sinners. He brings good news for sinners. We see it here. Peter's all of a sudden aware of his own sin, but Jesus isn't running away. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus is the one who came to him. Jesus is the one who's going to call him. And we see all these other reactions in Luke of everyone else is like, oh, I can't believe he's eating with sinners. I can't believe he's eating with tax collectors. Jesus doesn't have that reaction. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus brings good news for sinners. But the flip side of that is if you don't think you're a sinner, then you probably won't think Jesus brings good news. You won't think that much of the news that he brings and the mission that he's calling you to and the, the new life that he's calling you to live like if you don't know and acknowledge that I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. Luke 5, this same chapter at the end, uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law, the religious folks are um, complaining to Jesus' disciples and say, um, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They just come right out and say it. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't blink twice. Hey, why do you guys eat with sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come the sick. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> We're going to have prayer at the end of service. <laughs> it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And if we're really honest, it's not, the world's not divided into people who are righteous and people who aren't. It's those who think they're righteous and those who know they aren't. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's why Simon Peter's example is so important. If you know his story at all, you know he went on to become the chief apostle of the church. That when Jesus left this earth, he entrusted his mission to disciples, and Peter, Simon Peter, was the chief one. And yet in this scene, we get to see him, the chief apostle, admitting his sin. Humble in the presence of Jesus. And if we can't do that, how can we ever grow as disciples? If we can't be honest and say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus, that's the core of what it means to start following Jesus, is to know that you need him and his forgiveness and his grace. And then you're in awe when you realize that he's given it to you. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here today and you've been following Jesus for a while, but you've lost touch of that awe of being in his presence. Maybe you've lost touch of your intense need for him. Maybe you look at the hurdles in life and you've forgotten that a lot of them spring from your need for Jesus, and yet he's so gracious to be here with you and with me. And maybe we need 
a reminder of that. So what next? Simon Peter has this response. Like I said, it's significant. It's the first time he's called Peter, and it's the first time that Jesus is called Lord by anyone. It's like the eyes have been opened. This is who Jesus is. And then what happens? Then Jesus said to Simon, I told you so. No, he didn't. (laughs) He did not. He did not. You should have just listened to me. I told you. No, he didn't. At that humble state, I'm sorry, you guys like don't trust me now. (laughs) I even like acted like I was reading. Oh gosh, oh goodness, okay. (laughs) Jesus did not say that for the record. Um, Peter's at that humble state saying, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He's aware of his unworthiness in Jesus' presence. And what Jesus says to him is so beautiful. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. Jesus comforts him, tells him not to fear, and gives him a mission. He says, I know you've been fishing, but from now on, I've got a new calling for you. Fishing for people. A huge part of what it means to follow Jesus is to take part in his mission. If you are a disciple of Jesus, he has given you a mission. He has called you in the same way he called Peter and the other people in the boat to fish for people. We see at the end of the book, we see right now Jesus doesn't do mission alone, and we see at the end of the book he entrusts his mission to his disciples. If they don't take it, it's not going to happen. He has called his disciples to fish for people. That's our third example of following. Jesus means fishing for people. It just means that Jesus loves sinners, and he comes to them, and he calls them, and when he calls you, He calls you also to tell other people about it. He calls you to recruit other people, other sinners, to know the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the new life that Jesus has come and brought into your life. I love just this picture of how Jesus seeks out and speaks to someone in exactly the way that they could hear it. You know, for Simon, it was was through fish. And then he says, well, now you're going to fish for people. That's what we're called to as well the way God has shaped you, the way your personality, even your your career path or whatever kind of work you do, whether it's at home or on the job, whatever it may be, God is calling you on this mission to fish for people. And it's not popular nowadays to talk about evangelism or uh, why, why are you trying to proselyte? Why are you trying to get other people to believe what you're believing, right? You guys have felt that? You felt pushback in culture? You can believe what you can believe. I can believe what I believe. Don't try to persuade me. It's not popular to talk about. And sometimes, for us as Christians, it's not comfortable. Like we talked about last week, sometimes we're so excited about Jesus, we just want to keep him to ourselves, like the people at Capernaum. This is me and Jesus. We're cool. Yeah, this is great. It's comfortable. Or sometimes we want people to know about him, but we just expect them to come to us, right? We do this here and we say, well, they'll show up if you build it. 
they will come. Thank you. 90s reference there. But, unfortunately, that's not the way fishing works. You have to go to where the fish are. And every good fisherman or decent, not me, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I've, I've heard that good fishermen have a spot that they like where they know the fish are. The fish bite really good here, and they go there to catch fish. Part of following Jesus means being on this mission wherever we are, realizing that just like we're sinners and need Jesus, other people are sinners and they need Jesus. And we don't have to have all the answers, and we don't have to walk around with a big Bible and thump people on the forehead with it. And but we are called to fish for people. We are called to tell people what Jesus has done in our life. Give them glimpses of what he can do in their life. Give them glimpses of what it looks like when we're following Jesus and serving other people. Amen? I love, um, I love this metaphor that Jesus uses. And also, um, even the, uh, as I was studying it this week, I, I um, saw something in the, um, about the Greek language, the words that Jesus uses here. Because if you, like, push the metaphor too far. Fishing's not always good. It's not good for fish, right? <laughs> they, they die, <laughs> right? The goal is to catch them and kill them and eat them, right? And Jesus says, you're going to fish for people. And you're like, well, wait a second, right? But the, the verb that he uses for, for fishing, that, that the Greek is for here, is, is most often used in the sense of catching alive, catching while still alive. And one of the commentaries I read, that's how they translated it. I, you're going to catch alive people, <laughs> which is kind of clunky, right? So fishing for people makes more sense. But what's beautiful about that is this. When you follow Jesus, you're called to go out and share a message that's not going to put a burden on people, but it's going to bring them life. When they really meet Jesus, they're going to be caught and brought to life, new life in him, amen? So part of following Jesus is fishing for people, and that's what we're called to do. And what's their response? Moving on. What's their response? Moving on in the story when Jesus calls them and says, from now on, you're going to be fishing for people. They have the biggest catch. They've just had the biggest catch of fish in their life. Think about it. Think about it for your career or whatever line of work you do. Think about the most successful event that you could imagine in your career. They've had the, they, they almost broke their nets and sunk their boats for this fish, right? So I think you get to shore and it's like, you, you guys all get a bonus, right? Like you turn to the townspeople like, you get a fish, you get a fish, you get a fish. It's like in Seattle where they throw it to you, right? Let's party, man. This is awesome. I like this Jesus guy. We'll pay off all our fishing debts. Well, whatever it may be. What's their response? Verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And here's the point they realize the opportunity to follow this man. To follow this man, Jesus, is better than any success the world could ever offer. 
If I can follow him, nothing else matters. For us, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, what that means for us today is that he takes the highest allegiance in your life. That Jesus takes the first priority in your life. Jesus, hear me, Jesus does not take second place in your heart. He's first place. This theme of leaving everything and the willingness to leave everything to follow Jesus is not just a one-time thing. It doesn't just happen with Peter. It, it, it's talked about again in Luke 9 and in Luke 12 and then in Luke 14. There's these, there's these words that almost sound abrasive when we hear them. Those large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Leaving everything. Jesus having the highest allegiance in your heart. Being will, if, if Jesus is calling you even at the height of your success, to follow him in a different direction. It's more worth it. Every single time without fail. It's more worth it. And in the life of a disciple, the further you're following Jesus, it will happen again and again. Where God is calling you to make a decision that may not make sense to the people around you. Definitely won't make sense to people who aren't following Jesus. But it might not make sense to your family. It might not make sense to your friends. But Jesus is calling me to do this. Well, this is a lot easier and this makes more sense. But Jesus is calling me. I've got to be willing to leave everything because when you've really met Jesus, you know that he's worth more than all that. That's why I love the worship team singing that song this morning, nothing else, because I, I told them this morning as I was preparing uh, for the sermon earlier this week, that song came to mind. It was on my heart. And I was going to say, it's like that song we sing, nothing else. I just want you. And then they sang it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's like that song we sing. I just want you. Nothing else will do. No one else will do. I just want you. In the life of a disciple of Jesus, there will be decisions that don't make sense to the world. But following Jesus is worth it. Maybe you're here today. Is there something in your life right now that you know has a higher priority than Jesus in your heart? As much as it may make sense, as much as the voices around you or maybe even within you are saying, no, it makes sense, it makes sense. Jesus is number one. And when you put him in number one in your heart, that's, all, that's when you're going to experience the joy of walking with him. Amen? So we've got these examples. Obeying Jesus' word. Following Jesus means obeying his word. Because you say so. It means realizing our own sinfulness. That we need a savior. And that he graciously is that savior who loves us so much more than we deserve or ever thought we could be loved. Amen? It means following Jesus means being called to fish 
for people, as awkward as that phrase is, it means, and as awkward as those conversations can be, it means being willing to say, this is what Jesus has done in my life. And I really believe it. And I really believe he'll move in your life too. And the other part of following Jesus means leaving everything, being willing to leave everything to follow him. And now a word about why, as we're starting to wrap up. We see this picture of Simon Peter and his life. We see this model of what it means to be a disciple. And just a reminder about why we follow Jesus. And I'll try to keep it brief with these two thoughts, or a thought and a half, we'll see. We follow Jesus because Jesus fished for us. We follow Jesus because Jesus fished for us and we get to go fishing with him. What's interesting to me about this passage is in that time, it was common for a rabbi to have disciples, people that would follow, around, follow the rabbi around and absorb their teachings and kind of do everyday life, right? But also in that time, it was customary for the disciples to choose who they wanted their rabbi to be. They would approach the rabbi and say, I like this, I like, I, I like this about your life, and I want to follow you. And what's so interesting and powerful in this scene is Jesus takes the initiative and goes after his disciples and says to fishermen, not the super theologically astute, the people who know everything and they've studied and taken the test and they've, no, he doesn't go to the the most popular synagogue and find the best preachers. He goes to the lake and finds fishermen and says, I want you to follow me. We live in a world that says, go choose your rabbi. Choose what you want to be like. Choose what you want to believe. Live your truth. And yet Jesus graciously comes to us, and every single one of you under the sound of my voice has heard, and maybe you're hearing it right now, the call of Jesus saying, no, I want you. I want you to follow me. Jesus is calling you to follow him, and he's fishing for you just like he did for Simon Peter. It's so crazy to me, like Simon Peter, he, Jesus fishing for him, like just in the picture of this, Jesus sits in the boat to teach people. He's fishing for people. He goes in the boat to teach people God's word. He talks to Simon in a boat and says, let's go fishing, I'm gonna show you something. He's reaching out to us. He's speaking to Peter in the way that Peter could recognize and hear, and he does the same thing to us right now. He's speaking to you right now. I believe he's speaking. Follow me. I want you to follow me. I want you to know what true life is. I want you to know what a real mission is. Not just your own little kingdom and your own plan, but my mission. I want you to follow me. And in the sense of fishing, like that verb I said earlier, Jesus is ultimately the one who did the catching alive of us. He said while he was Alive before the cross, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. And he was lifted up on a cross eventually, and he did draw all people to himself. And here's what he did. He was willing to die so that you could be caught alive. He was willing to die in my place and in your place for my sin and your sin so that instead of death that we deserve, he could give us life. 
that he could catch us while still alive and set us free to go fish for other people. Amen? He was willing to die to give us forgiveness of sins and freedom and to give us a new life and a new way of living. We follow Jesus because he fished for us and because he fished for us, we get to go fishing with him. Here's what I mean by this. When God is calling you on this mission to share his good news with other people, you're not doing it for him. You're doing it with him. Jesus has not called you to go fish for people for him because he doesn't want to. He's called you to fish for people with him. And Jesus is obviously the best partner for a fishing trip. (laughs) Huh? But that's the model for the mission. The model for a successful mission. If you want to follow Jesus and live a life worth of meaning and passion and a life worth imitating, the metaphor in this passage is it's a successful fishing trip where Jesus is boss. And Jesus says, well, I know this seems like the wrong time, wrong place, but go over here. You're going to catch some people here. Or I know this, this might feel a little bit funky, but do this. God's going to use it. That's what his mission looks like. Church, that's what, that's what we need to look like. It's not going out there and doing all this work for him and then looking back and say, I hope you're happy, God. No, he's called us to go fishing with him. It's his mission that he's invited us to because he knows what's really gonna make you come alive is when you're on his mission, not yours. When you see yourself listening to his word and saying, because you say so. When you see yourself realizing, I can leave this all because I've found something more valuable in Jesus. Because he fished for you, you get to go fishing with him. Amen? Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. We thank you today for your word, God. Sometimes your word shows and sometimes it tells and thankful for times like this passage where it shows us what it means to follow you. Father, I pray for this moment right now. We've read about and talked about a really pivotal moment in the life of Simon Peter and James and John. But Lord, I believe that you have also ordained this moment for the people that are here in this room. Some have been following you as long as they can remember. Some will choose to follow you today. God, I pray for this moment that you would guide us, Lord. God, I pray for change in our hearts, Lord. If there's things that we're holding on to and not yet ready to obey, God, I pray that this morning there would be faith to say, because you say so, Lord. God, if there's ways where we've forgotten the awe of being in your presence and our sin and our need for you and your love and grace for us, I pray for that moment today, God. God, if there's those among us who have forgotten the huge part of your call to fish for other people, to let other people know 
about this life in you. God, I pray that we would decide to do that today with you. And God, maybe there's here someone, someone here today who's on the precipice of a, of a big decision and they're feeling uneasy, and, but they feel a nudging from the Holy Spirit. I want you to go this way. Pray for faith and determination. And Lord, all along the way, God, I pray that you would remind us this is not something that, that we're working to try to please you, not that we're doing something for you, Lord, but all of this is because you've reached for us, God. That you died in order to give us life and that you long for us to enjoy your mission alongside you. I do pray for this moment, God. We dedicate it to you. We pray that you would move, Holy Spirit. Apply your word in our hearts. Change this church for the better. Change this city for the better. We ask you to move in these next few moments. In Jesus' name.